<laughs> Welcome to our inaugural podcast recording of a year ago Yay. today. I'm Sally. And I'm Tyla. And we are reflecting on what happened a year ago today or so. Um, oh, wait, crap. I lost the question. Where's the question? Oh, God. <laughs> Everyone, this is our first podcast, so please bear with us. All right, great. So our starting question is, what's the best thing that happened to you this week? Oh, wow. What's the best thing that happened to me this week? Hmm. The best thing that happened to me this week is I received a gift in the mail from a friend, um, and it's a white noise machine, and I live on a very loud street in Brooklyn. Um, And last night, I kept waking up in the middle of the night being like, I don't hear any street noise. And it was a Friday night when the bars are open till 4 a.m., and usually it's very loud. And I was like, it's like I've moved to the quietest street in the world. This is amazing. So that's (laughs) – that's great and also this week I got a manicure that is like Barbie pink and that is those two things are tied for the best thing that happened to me this week I'm really excited also about your um, noise machine because having slept over I know how loud it is there I mean it's almost it's it's almost ridiculous how loud it is in your apartment when you're trying to sleep yeah it's it's a little bit unbearable but not anymore woohoo the best thing that happened to me this week was that I finally hit publish on my website, on my new website. Um, it seems like a small thing, I guess, maybe, because it's not the first website I'd ever, I've ever created. But I think after saying that I was going to publish it, like, weeks and weeks ago, and then continuing to say it over and over again and still not doing it, then once I finally did it and then I like shared it with the world, I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is the best week ever. <laughs> Do you feel like you can like breathe easier now? It's, I can, it's true. Now I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. well, it's out there. And I mean, you know, it's a website, so it's going to keep tinkering with it forever, but I'm, yeah, I mean, it'll there. never be done, but at least now it's not on the to-do list. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yay! Yay! Celebrations. So now we can talk about where you were at a year ago today slash this week. Um, tell us about your milestone event. Yeah, I've been thinking about it since the moment I woke up this morning. Um, a year ago today... I found out that I was losing my job of four years. Mm-hmm. How did that feel then? Oh my God, it felt like it felt like my whole world was collapsing. I felt completely like overwhelmed and paralyzed and crushed. I guess that, like, if I had to pick one word for how it felt, I felt crushed. 
Okay, set the stage for us. Where we, I know where I was at. I remember it very vividly, our conversation <laughs> after it happened. <laughs> set the stage for where you were at, and then maybe I'll share where I was at. Okay, so for four years, I had been working as a personal assistant to a woman that I idolized. Um, and not only that, she was one of my... I thought she was one of my closest friends and she was definitely a mentor and my sense of value and self-worth was so wrapped up in my job that I couldn't imagine who I would be or what I would do without it. Uh, and more importantly, I couldn't imagine who I would be or what I would do without this woman in my life. And I thought that she kind of felt the same way about me. So to find out that she didn't was devastating. And I should also say that the way she framed this news was kind. And it was, it felt almost like the mama bird pushing the baby bird out of the nest um, because she had, she told me that it was time for me to move on to a bigger job and a job where I would be happier and more fulfilled. But while I understood that on an intellectual level, it didn't make it any easier. Mm -hmm. Were you, where were you? Were you in New York? <laughs> well, she and I had actually been in um, New Jersey. We were filming a TV show and it was our last official day of filming and it was this big project we'd been working on for months. I had just gone with her to Italy to film. Um, and then this particular day, we oh, it was our second to last day of filming. And we were filming in New Jersey. And we were actually in a car ride on the way back from New Jersey to New York City when she gave me this news. So <laughs> that was pretty terrible. I was trapped in a car with my boss receiving this devastating news. And of course I just bawled and bawled and bawled. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember her asking me, you know, like, what are you so upset about? What are you so scared about? And I don't remember if I was able to even put my finger on it or be on that moment because the magnitude of what I was feeling was so great that I, number one, I feel like I kind of blacked out. I don't actually really remember our conversation and Number two, I doubt that I was able to coherently verbalize anything that I was feeling. Oh, boy. I remember I was in California, and you called me. Um, it was, like, the sunniest day. I was in Berkeley. I think I was wearing, like, shorts. <laughs> <Dang God>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I... And you tell, and you like, I knew that something was wrong, but as soon as you started talking, I started smiling because I was like, this is the best thing that has ever happened. This is the best news ever. And obviously I couldn't exactly tell you that, although I do know that I like said that, like that this was a good thing. I do remember saying that, but I couldn't like let on just how happy I was because obviously you were sad <laughs> and it would be a really shitty thing for me to be like, this is the best. 
<laughs> I remember though, you, you did say you were like, this is great. This is amazing. And I, I remember thinking that you had lost your damn mind. <laughs> I was like, you were insane. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, there was a very, I do, there was a very stark contrast between how you were relating to what has just happened and how I was, because I saw it as this amazing opportunity that you would never have given yourself to be like out of this job um, because you, it's not like things were all like hunky dory all the time. Like tell us, I, tell us more about, I guess, where you were in relation to your job around the time when this happened. I was wildly unhappy, but I hadn't given myself permission to comprehend that. Mm -hmm. um, as a personal assistant, there's not a lot of room for growth. And the way my life would work is that when my boss would get an exciting project, like filming this TV show, for instance, my life and my whole world would expand and there would be new roles for me to take on and new things for me to learn and new experiences. And it would feel for the duration of the project, like I was going somewhere and like she and I were going somewhere together, like we were evolving towards something. But then the project would end and I would go back to the more mundane tasks of personal assistantship. And I had been doing that for a long time and I hadn't, I hadn't taken time to really evaluate <laughs> the fact that I didn't like most of those tasks anymore. And I was willing to do them, but it was becoming more and more difficult to do them with a happy heart. And while I couldn't see that, she could see that very clearly because it was bleeding through in my work. And I think that I was dealing with being unhappy in a lot of ways that were very obvious to anyone who was looking around at my life from the outside. Um, but it was like I had blinders on. So I was, I was drinking too much and I felt trapped and I felt really unsure of myself and actually in the weeks leading up to this I had started having these terrible headaches anytime that we were filming this tv show I would be on the set and I would be having these terrible migraines and I, I couldn't figure out what was going on and it wasn't until we were actually in Italy and the migraine turned into like full blown illness where I was vomiting all night the day or the night before our first day of filming that I was able to say like, okay, I need to take a look at what's really going on here. And I realized it was a crisis um, internally of not understanding why I was there or what my job was or where I was headed. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about it right now, it's so funny because I don't know that I've taken a lot of time 
to think about how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. um, right now, as I think about it, I'm shaking a little bit and I felt like I don't know who I am in this job and I don't know who I am without this job and I don't know who I am to this woman who means so much to me and I don't know why I'm here in Italy with her and I don't know basically why I'm here on earth and all of this was happening internally and yet I hadn't given myself permission to really feel it in a conscious way or to examine it in a conscious way. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that everyone around me, including her, could tell what was happening. Mm -hmm. And of course, of course, she didn't want to work with that anymore. And while it was kind of her to say, it's time for you to fly away, baby bird, she also made clear, like, your unhappiness is now affecting me, and that's not okay. Mm -hmm. And it, that's true. I mean, in a workplace, that is not okay. Yeah. Does that answer your question? I don't even remember what your question was. I don't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember either, but I assume that it did. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I. it's interesting to hear you talk about it because I feel like it happened and then so many things happened immediately after that. And it was like so everything was happening so fast. Um, like you joining the creme and then me, me deciding that I was going to move to LA or to California. And like, I was here and, um, that we never really talked about it again. I feel like, I mean, is that, I don't even know if I'm remembering that right, but I feel like it happened and I was very happy and you were very much not happy. <laughs> and then all of these things happened and then it was like, Oh, Oh, that's right. Like, I mean, we talked about it afterwards because it, it was still some time after you, after that, that you actually left, um, which we'll get to in a moment. But I think that besides like the, okay, I think now I'm, is the time I'm going to leave. Um, I don't know that we really talked about it. So I don't know that I really like ever knew there was really never a time for you to reflect on everything that you were feeling, I think, because then things just started moving very fast. Am I remembering that correctly? How do you remember that? Yeah, I think you're right. And it's funny when you say that, um, I'm feeling really emotional mm -hmm. when you're saying like there was never really time to reflect um, because it was such a crisis for me that I feel like I had to just keep going. I had to keep moving because I think that I was operating under the belief that if I stopped long enough to really feel how crushed I felt, I might not ever 
move again. Mm-hmm. And I was also in a point where I had no idea what I was going to do next in terms of a job. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I couldn't afford to slow down. And it was also really important to me to leave that job with as much dignity and grace and professionalism as I could muster. And I think I knew that if I allowed myself to really feel my feelings, I might not be able to do that. Well, that's interesting, because what do you think would have happened if you had, or like, what were you afraid of happening if you did feel your feelings? Um, it's interesting, because I can reflect on that from where I am now, but I, I don't think at that time it was a conscious decision not to feel my feelings. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think that I was consciously afraid of what it would be like to feel them. But if I had to try to name it in retrospect, I think I was probably afraid that I was so hurt that I wouldn't be able to set foot in that office again. Mm-hmm. Um, because the magnitude of hurt was that great for me. Um And I had put so much time and energy into this job and into this relationship with my boss that I didn't want to leave it that way. And in retrospect, (laughs) in retrospect, I think I could have. I think I could have said, (laughs) you know what, I'm devastated and I understand, but I'm devastated and I can't finish this time out with ease and grace. I need to go lock myself in a dark room and feel my feelings for a month and a half instead of continuing to work here for another month and a half or two months or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It was three months, actually. Yeah, it I, seemed like a long time. Yeah, it was three full months because I trained my replacement and um, my boss was gone for a long period in the summer and I don't know if it was important to her or not, but we had so many new people on staff that it was important to me to be there while she was gone, just to make sure that everything was taken care of um, in her absence, which again, in retrospect, (laughs) um, I don't know if that was the best way to take care of myself in that moment, but it it felt important at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, that answers the question of why you stayed for so long. (laughs) But to tell people about um, a little bit more about, okay, so you find out you're losing your job and then what happens? Because then people would assume, okay, so then the next day you're gone. It's over. So what actually happened? What did she say? How did it transpire to then you being there for another three months before you actually left? 
Yeah, that seems strange, right? <laughs> um, well, and like I said, it wasn't framed like you're being fired. It was framed like it's time for you to move on and she made very clear at that time, like, I don't want you to feel shame around this. I don't want you to feel bad, basically. Like, this is because I see you and I see you're unhappy and I see that you need something bigger and that's why it's time for you to go. At the same time, I've hired your replacement. So could you train her, please? And I cared so much about my boss and about the success of my replacement that it felt important to stay. Uh, and also there was a, there was a real sense of, and not just a sense, it was explicitly stated, you know, you're not being pushed out into nothingness. Like you don't have to leave here before you have your next move locked down. Mm -hmm. Um, but it actually became very apparent to me that if I didn't have a hard end date, I might not leave. Mm -hmm. And after all this happened and after the initial shock of basically being let go, I did start to realize how important it was for me to move on. And I knew that as much as I was terrified of what was next, of what my life would be like, not so much what was next, but of what my life would be like without this job and without this person that I really, really required to move forward. Um, but it was also really sad because there were statements made by my boss about how much she cared about me and how much she wanted to help me find the right thing. But I think as I became more comfortable with the idea of leaving, I don't know what happened. Something within me shifted and I accepted what was happening. And at the same time, I think something within her shifted mm. and our relationship quickly deteriorated which made me really sad, <laughs> but still I was determined not to leave anybody in a lurch. And I was determined to leave that job with dignity and grace. Mm -hmm. So when did you finally decide what your hard end date would be? I had something that I had to travel for in early August, the very end of July, and my boss was going to be gone through July. So about, a, I think about a month and a half before that, I said, you know, here's my hard end date. Um, because once I leave on this trip, I don't know when I'm coming back to New York. Mm -hmm. How did she respond? I don't really remember. I think she was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, while all of this was like so, so big to me and like so emotional in my life, I don't know that it affected her in that same way. And so I think while I was like having a complete and total, 
crisis of identity and self-worth, she was like, all right, whatever. Um, and I could be wrong. You know, I, I don't actually know, mm-hmm. but and it was interesting because she was gone that whole last month and we didn't have much interaction because I think had she been there, I would not have been able to stick it out. Why do you say that? Our relationship had deteriorated that much um, where whether intentional or not, I felt like she was saying hurtful things to me almost every time we interacted Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it made it difficult to do my job. And I think that I had started to gain a sense of, all right, like I'm on the way out. So I had gained a little bit more Mm self-respect and I don't think that I would have been able to put my head down and get through that. I think that I would have said, you know what? I love you. (laughs) And I can't be here anymore because it's too hard Mm -hmm. because I'm so regretful about the space that we're in now because I know how much we have cared about each other. I mean, four years we worked together and that's a very long time. That's one of like, as an adult, I mean, I'm only, 28 years old, four years is one of my longest consistent definitely my longest consistent work relationship, but also one of my longest close relationships. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. I, was, I just keep thinking about how happy I was. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Like, because I do remember being like calling you and being like, Oh my God, Sally, my life is over. And you were like, this is great. (laughs) I mean, you were sympathetic and you were like, it's going to be okay. Like, I'm sorry that you're feeling this way, but you were from, from the first second you were like, Tyla, this is great. So why, how were you so sure? And why? Why did you know so immediately that it was such a good thing? Well, it was a combination of things. It was, like I said before, I did not see you leaving that job, but I knew that it was killing you. I mean, not the job itself, but I think that it was giving you a very, a very like big opportunity to reflect your unhappiness and like, how lost you were feeling and how you never, if it almost felt like you never really got your footing, even though you were there for so long, it's like you would get it and then it would be gone. Like, and so then you were trying to get it back. So, and I, and I think that, I mean, even I knew that that wasn't just your job, right? Like I knew that that was like how you were feeling about life in a lot of ways. And, and still I felt like, okay, but if something shifts here, like it's going to, the ripple effect is going to be huge. And 
and yet you weren't leaving. I mean, you didn't, regardless of how unhappy you were in the job and just in general, I knew that you weren't going to be going anywhere of your own volition, unless something like miraculous, like landed on your lap and you were like, I've got to take this. Like Liz <laughs> Gilbert just called me and she, I don't know. And she like, why? I mean, I think even if that had happened, I'm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know that there was any, any job that could have, um, it's hard to imagine what job would have enticed me to leave because I, I loved my boss so much and I loved, I loved my workplace so much mm-hmm. in a weird <laughs> twisted yeah. kind of unhealthy way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it Why? was a great place for you to be in a lot of ways, but in other ways it was just such a huge, it's it was like this open wound that could never really be healed as long as you were still there. Um, and I knew that. And so as soon as it happened, I was like, yes, this is, this is it. <laughs> She's going to get out of this place, start examining her life. She's going to really sit with, you know, where she is and where she'd like to be and get out of this, I mean, by that point you had gotten so wrapped up in your relationship to her and like what that meant about you um, in a way that, that was often really great and sometimes really awful. And so that felt like a good thing because I felt like, okay, well, even if you guys remain friends, at least she was no longer also your boss. And so that would really allow you to, to shine in your own, in your own life. Um, you know, I mean, I, I felt like very much like you by that point, in addition to being unhappy and kind of like in the mix of things, um, you still were very much, it wasn't like she was on a pedestal. I don't think it was quite that like dramatic, but you know, she was very much a huge light in your life to the point where I don't know that you really saw your own light. And so I was like, oh, well, if nothing else happens, at the very least, like, Tyla will now see her light. And so I was ecstatic because I knew that you weren't going to do that. You weren't going to ever be the one to say, no, I'm out of here. Um, and so I was just so thrilled. I was, I was so, I really thought it was the best day ever. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's, that's interesting to me that you, that you say that, you know, I would have never left because I definitely know I, I would have never left of my own accord or at least not for a long time. But what, what made you know that? Um, I mean, there were just so many reasons for you to leave and any time that that, question even came up in your head or in passing conversation, it was such a no. It was so quickly like, no, that's not, no, it's, I'll make it work. No, it's going to work. No, it's, it's better today. Um, so, so I just, yeah, I just did not think that it was at all possible. I, there were so many times when I was like, oh, this might be it. This might be the time when she realizes that she needs, that she has outgrown this job. She needs something else. 
and then it wouldn't be it. And so I think that happened enough times where I was like, oh, she's never leaving. This is, this is it. <laughs> Ride or die. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's how I felt about it. That's yeah, I mean. it's interesting because I think that um, I don't know. I can't remember how many people said it to me at the time. Actually, I think maybe everybody said it to me at the time. Like, this is great. It's <laughs> really great. I mean, my mom, my boyfriend, um, other good friends, everyone I told was like, Tyla, this is great. And of course, I, I did not feel that way. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I obviously can't speak for them. And I don't know how much they saw of, you know, I think that certainly everyone probably saw like you were unhappy at that job. So if for no other reason than that, then yay, like now you get to have another job or like now you get to do something else. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's, of course you didn't see it that way because you had gotten so wrapped up in it that was your life in a lot of ways. And I mean, I know that a lot, that that's true for a lot of people, like their work is their life. But I think that in particular, because you also had a personal relationship with her, with your boss and, you know, all of the people that maybe not all of them, but they were your family in a sense, or in like the way that your lives, that your life sort of overlapped with their lives. Um, it was a really strong and powerful bond. It's like, you know, I just keep seeing threads all together into like one piece of yarn. And then like, you just, you need to start unraveling that in order to, you can, if you just tug on it, it's still just all those threads connected. You need to actually actively start to rip them apart <laughs> in order for that to come apart. Um, so that's how I felt about it. And and I'm still glad that it, that it happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad now, too. I mean, it's interesting as you're talking because I'm also thinking now about my sense of self-worth. Um, even separate from my relationship with my boss, you know, I, I came in as her personal assistant, and I really had to create that job. So I learned a lot of things the really hard way. Um, but at the same time, over the course of four years, the depth of knowledge that I acquired about my workplace was such that I became not only her personal assistant, but also a manager at this restaurant that, that she owns, um, and was involved in hiring and firing and training staff and running shifts and, you know, painting the front doors and fixing whatever needed to be fixed physically. And I think it felt so good to know how valuable I was in this place I cared about. And like you're saying, like it being a surrogate family, it, it was a home to me. Mm -hmm. And to know that I was such an important piece or to think that I was such an important piece of this thing and that I helped 
make it function and that I helped make people's lives easier and that people looked to me and that I really did work my way up from the bottom to the top felt really good. It made me feel really good about myself. And at the same time, being a personal assistant to a chef and writer and working in this restaurant, I developed all of these skills and couldn't figure out how any of them would be transferable to any other job ever. And so I was like, I've worked so hard here and I've done such a good job here and I've created a place for myself here. And I'm not sure that that, that transfers. And I was so afraid that I was going to have to start at the bottom again if I decided to just move to another job. And I didn't know that I could do that again, that I had the stamina. And of course I thought it, I had to do it the same way. You know, like I was like, it's going to be hard. I'm going to, you know, who will hire me? No one will hire me. What can I even do? You know? Mm -hmm. And so outside of all of the emotional ties to my boss as a person, there was this, misbelief that outside of this place, I might not be worth anything. And I knew, I thought I knew what I was worth at this place. And of course, I thought that without me, the whole place was going to fall apart. And of course, that couldn't have been farther from the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So what have you discovered since then? about your worth? That is a big question. I've discovered that I am worth much more to absolutely everyone around me when I am well taken care of and happy. I think that that's probably the most important thing because for four years, I, my focus was on my job and I was not taking care of myself and deep down I was very unhappy. And I think that it affected everyone in my life. I think it affected my relationships and I had to really learn that I am worth taking care of. Mm -hmm. And I basically have spent a year (laughs) trying to internalize that. And I, it's so funny because a year out, you know, I, I chose not to seek another job right away, but at the same time, I, I don't care. (laughs) I really don't care because I feel good and I, I still don't take care of myself as well as I would like to, but I do a much better job. And I think that because of that, absolutely everything in my life has gotten better. Mm. And I often wonder, 
And I know, I mean, I always do this. I'm like, what would it be like if I knew then what I know now? And I do wonder what my life at this job would have been like if I had already known how to take care of myself. And Mm. I think it could have gone two ways. One, I would have done even better at that job and had an even better relationship with my boss and created something bigger for myself to move into because I felt good and I knew my worth and I would, I would have recognized my own dissatisfaction with being a personal assistant. And I would have been like, Hey, I love you. I love it here. Let's create a bigger job for me and hire you a different assistant. Um, mm-hmm. Or I would have quit. Mm-hmm. I would have quit a whole lot sooner than I ended up losing that job, leaving that job. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, how are you doing now? How's life? Uh, I mean, it's great. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And and I don't have stable income. And I don't have any relationship at all with my former boss, who was so important to me. Um, but I think the, the thing that shows that I've really grown is that all of those things feel okay. Mm -hmm. And life feels like so wide open and I've gone from having no idea what I wanted to wanting so many things that I don't know what to do first. And that is, uh, I think that at that point a year ago, if I could have asked for one thing, it would have been to know what I want. And now a year out, I really know what I want. And that feels really, really good. I love that you brought this up because I, I mean, I knew that about you. Um, And I don't know that I ever thought that it was connected to your job. And yet right now I'm getting this like wave of energy of like, oh, 100% it was connected to it. And not like that it was the cause of it. Um, but I guess I ask you what you think that connection might have been. I think that somewhere along the way, I started operating under the belief that it's more important to be something to someone else than it is to be something to yourself. And I think I was living life in a way where I was like, if I'm important to someone else, that means I matter and I have worth. And if all that matters to you is being important to someone else, there's no room 
for you to want or for you to create. Mm. Um, and I said so many times, you know, like, all I want to do is help my boss bring her visions to life. That is like, brings me so much joy and gives me a real sense of purpose. And that was true. But at the same time, I was really hiding in that because as long as I put all my energy toward making her dreams come true and her visions come to life, then I don't have to have any dreams or visions of my own and nobody will notice because they'll say, yeah, she's just doing her job and look how great she is at it and look how valued she is. Mm -hmm. So I think that the connection with my job was that it was just, um, I mean, it was the whole thing that allowed me to ignore myself and my job and my relationship with my boss was a place for me to hide from myself. Mm -hmm. And it took up so much of my time and energy that there was absolutely none left over. And I think that that is what I wanted because I was afraid that I wasn't worth anything on my own. And then I didn't really have anything of value to share with the world, except for how I could support someone else. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid to find that out. Were you wrong? <laughs> I think I was wrong. <laughs> I think I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And it's funny because now I've, I've come to a place where the work that I want to do in the world is still very much about supporting other people. Mm -hmm. But I want to do it in a way that doesn't suck out all of my energy because it's so important now for me to have a ton of energy left over for myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting because that core piece of of supporting someone else is still so important to me. But I think that I'm learning to do that in a way that enables me to actually give a lot more because I have energy on reserve. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Ah. <laughs> oh my God. The, the, like, the journey that my body has been on through this conversation, <laughs> I'm like, I feel really relaxed now, but like before I was like shaking and I've cried a little and like, <laughs> now I feel relaxed and also tired. Um, <laughs> also, I sweat a lot when I, when I like get emotional. <laughs> so... I love that. I don't really think I knew. I don't think I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're always yeah. learning about each other. <laughs> always. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. So if you could go back to a year ago today and talk to yourself, knowing what you know now, what would you say? Now I'm going to cry again. <laughs> mm. 
I think I would say that just while you thought this job was the best thing that ever happened to you, now losing this job will be the best thing that ever happened to you. Mm. And you can't get it wrong. And everything is going to be okay. Mm. Oh, I love it. And that's essentially what you said to me a year ago today. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I had someone to tell me those things. Um, mm. But that's what I would say. I love it. Yay! Ah. Any final thoughts, words, reflections? Yeah, I'm... I'm, um, I'm a little sad that I, I had to learn those lessons in a way that felt so painful at the time. Mm. Um, but I couldn't possibly be more thankful for everything that I've learned. Um, and also that now it's much easier when something happens to be like, you know, you don't know what's on the other side of this and it could be really freaking great. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think that's all. Awesome sauce. Whew. One year ago today, it all changed. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks Tyla for being our first guest. Yay, thank you um, for this really beautiful opportunity to reflect because I'm not sure that I would have taken the time. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's what we're here for. Now and I love you, Sally. I love you, Tyla. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So until next time. Until next time. Peace out. Bye.